Welcome to the Girl in the Galaxy podcast. I'm your host, Kate Heinecker, here to serve as your astrological tour guide. This podcast is here to use the ancient art of astrology to help us make sense of our lives and the world we live in. Hello, 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 friends. Kate here. How are you? We are back on the podcast. After a little bit of a sabbatical, I am back and more pumped than ever to start serving up the tea on all of the astrological insights that you really need to know about. We're going to start doing more consistent month ahead podcasts here. And for this first inaugural monthly forecast episode, I have on my dear, dear, talented, wonderful friend, Jordan Schammer. We're going to break down all of the juicy, juicy astrological events that July has in store. And we're also going to reflect on June too for a little bit in the beginning because it was a pretty big month. And astrologically, it was one of the biggest of the year. So I really hope that you enjoy all all of the insights that Jordan and I have to offer for you. And if you want a record of all of these transits that we're talking about and all of the goings on of the sky throughout the month of July, you can simply subscribe to my newsletter. It's my month ahead newsletter. It'll This cute little calendar with the transits will get emailed to you on the first of the month and a little downloadable link will pop up as soon as you smash that subscribe button. So there's a link below in the show notes. There's also a link in my IG bio and there's opportunities to sign up on my website at girlinthegalaxy.com. It's a cute little astrological transit calendar. I personally use them a lot, keep them on my desk. I love them. I make them myself with love for you. If you are an astrology enthusiast yourself, you might enjoy it. So without further ado, here is your month ahead forecast for July. If you'd like to connect with Jordan, you can visit her website at yourastrologerfriend.com or on Instagram just under her name, Jordan Schammer, also linked in the show notes. So let's dive right in. And if you stick till the end of the episode, then I'll chat more about stuff that Jordan and I have worked on as well. But without further ado, here you go. Let's dive right in. Hi everyone, how's it going? Kate here, and we are recording our first month ahead podcast. I'm here with my talented astrologer friend, Jordan Schammer. She's amazing. And I've been wanting to do these month ahead podcasts for quite some time now, but I never could really figure out the best way to do it. So I had to invite Jordan in here because she is so poetic and there's really no one I'd rather talk to about the astrology of the month ahead, but also there's no one I would rather like share with the world. Like Jordan's insights are like diamonds and I can't wait for her to see what kind of jewels kind of come out during this podcast. So thanks everybody for tuning in and we are just going to dive right into this podcast. So first we're going to reflect 
on last month and kind of talk about some of the astrology. And then we're going to walk through the major astrology of July. And we're really going to talk about the energy ahead and provide all of you a little energetic forecast and how we're really feeling into this and hopefully hopefully, you know, provide you all with some helpful insights. So welcome, Jordan. I'm so excited to have you in the astrology laboratory today. How are you? I'm doing okay. We are hanging in there. <laughs> yeah, we're both having some <sighs> rough waters today. Yes. And our Leo moons are showing. Our Leo moons really needed each other today. I feel yeah. like we came through at the perfect time. I will say that very kind intro fed me <laughs> in a way I'm not exactly proud of. It was all sincere. It was uh, not fluff. You I know meant, I love the affirmation. I, I meant every word. You know, every time I, every time you talk, it's just like, I don't know where that came from. Or like, I'll say something to Jordan and she'll be like, wait, I just had this visual and this thought. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And it just perfectly describes the energy, because that's what astrology is. It's describing energy. So let's start out. Let's uh, let's dive right in. So I'm kind of going to kick it off by asking Jordan some questions and, and feel into how that goes. But my question, let's start with reflections from June. June was... <laughs> June was one of the most intense months astrologically of 2021. It was really intense because we had a giant Saturn Uranus square exactly on June 14th. But we also were in the throes of a wicked Mercury retrograde and eclipse season in Gemini. So my question for you, if you want to kick it off, what are your thoughts or reflections specifically on the Mercury retrograde in Gemini and the eclipse season, because I know that you're a Gemini rising. So how did that impact you? Wow. Um, I will say one of the like general observations, which is very Gemini, um, that I made during that period of time was that to one degree or another, like no one was okay like yeah. we were all moving through our own sort of duress and upheaval and as the eclipses do course corrections yeah. um and there was a lot of um un instability and i am a gemini rising so all of this was happening in my first house and Moving through eclipses in your first and seventh house really don't fuck around. Like, June rolled around and I am, like, questioning everything I've ever known about myself mm -hmm. um, in a way that is fascinating because there's a lot of expansion that comes with the sort of crumbling infrastructure of what has always been sort of fixed coming from a very fixed chart mm -hmm. like mine. Um, but also very unstable, lots of uncertainty. And I know that the impact of the eclipses last six months. And so I am just leaning into the Gemini of it all and getting just as curious as anyone else to find out where I am 
where or how I am reassembled. Because mm. I feel like so much has just like fallen a- apart that I'm like, how will the bricks fit back together? Right. How will the Jenga pieces or like, you <laughs> right. know, or whatever structure I build. Um, but I think one of the reasons it was so disorienting is because it coincided with that Mercury retrograde and the nature of Gemini is so mercurial. It's so communicative and perceptive and um, about information that to tether ourselves to something in the wake of the eclipses was nearly impossible because Mercury was retrograde and we didn't have anything to grasp onto. And um, like the, the picture that came to me in thinking about the, um, the eclipses coinciding with Mercury retrograde was sort of like that of a tide. So when Mercury was retrograde, our mercurial resources were sort of sucked back into the ocean. They were not reachable. And Mercury turning direct spit out all of this new information with the impact of the eclipses in tow. And so now we're kind of like inundated by new piece of information, new questions, new perception, seeing things new way. And it's just like disorienting. And I think part of the nature of this eclipse cycle, which ends at the end of the year, is about learning to sit in the middle ground between learning and knowing. And inherently, that middle ground is, I don't know. And so we're all kind of like finding our way and having to accept that the things we would like to know, we just don't have the information for. And I think if anything I've learned during this eclipse cycle, it's that oftentimes we are looking for answers. We are looking for answers to materialize. We are looking for people to be the messenger of answers. But with the North Node in Gemini and the South Node in Sagittarius, I've come to the new belief that answers are not found. They are created. Ooh, write that down, everybody. (laughs) And so I think that we're learning how to work with new information that we have not created answers for. And chances are we won't have that luxury of materializing those answers until maybe the North Node moves into Taurus and it becomes more workable. Right. And Jupiter really moves into Pisces full time. Yeah. I love I absolutely love that. And I couldn't agree more with that complete sentiment. We're we're similar astrologers, but we're both different in certain respects. But we both came to such a similar, you know, like energetic conclusion for the month of June. And what I was really feeling into was that June felt a lot like putting together all of these puzzle pieces to find wholeness. And, you know, the Gemini energy, you know, Gemini and that mutable air quality, it's all over the place. And let's not forget this entire time, Mercury has been squaring Neptune, like a bunch. Mm -hmm. You know, Mercury squared Neptune in May, June, and it's going to go through its final Mercury square Neptune on July 6th. But I feel like that also added this other element of disillusion. 
And when I think of Neptune, I think of this like Sphinx. And when I think of the Gemini, the Gemini Pisces relationship between language and that which cannot really be fully understood with language, I always think of this like riddle that's be that you're being told. And for June, what I really thought was like life is kind of this riddle and we're all figuring it out. Like it's this huge figuring it all out energy that really came through this June. Mm-hmm. It was really powerful in our experience. And answers were not the goal. They just weren't. Like it was not, the answer almost wasn't even necessary. It was the process of figuring out the journey of figuring it out Mm -hmm. and figuring it out through these Gemini means, which is trial and error. Yeah. That's so Gemini. It's like, well, how do I know unless I go out and get firsthand experience? Like when I think of Gemini, I think of the media a lot with Mm -hmm. that Gemini Sagittarius energy. Well, and also and the Neptune as right? well is very media. It is. And when I think of that relationships, like how do we know what we know? I heard this quote on a podcast the other day and it was like the job of journalism. You know, one one source is going to say it's raining. The other source is going to say it's not raining. But it's your job as a journalist to go out and see if it's raining. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what we, uh, on a personal and a collective level, really being challenged to do, that in June especially was really strong. It was like, I guess I just have to go out and actually talk to somebody um, who, who, who's in what, who, who can help me or talk it out or, yeah. you know, actually go out and get firsthand experience or like externalize what's internal for me to learn how to understand it and engage with it on an intellectual level to help give me more spiritual meaning, I guess. Um, As you were speaking, when I think about Neptune, I think about images and imagery and with that square from Neptune, but also Neptune just by signs squaring the nodes, I feel like the nature of June, the nature of that eclipse, that particular eclipse season was about um, sort of taking stock and assessing the way pictures have been presented. Mm. Because with the Neptune of it all, chances are you're getting images that are brought to you upside down and inside out yeah and it's about like getting your hands on them and kind of turning the picture in a way that orients it um to offer more realistic or more tangible or more useful information and so like using the discernment of gemini and the curiosity of Gemini to look at things from a different viewpoint, yeah. to, to actually get your hands on them and turn it in a direction that works for you. Because with Gemini, everything is a prism. Yeah. Everything is everything. And whatever vantage point you're taking to look at the same piece of information is valid. It's just about like getting in the position to see something in a way that suits you or that's right for you. And because of the eclipses, that's right for you on a like destiny sort of level, on like a soul level. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like the Neptune energy, like the Neptune nodal square, like for the entire eclipse series from 2020 to the end of this year until 2022, I mean, until or at the end of 2021, you know, so much of it is about, you know, our relationship to what we know. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that. I love that the imagery of like the images turning so you can see things a different way. Yeah. Let's talk about, so just so folks out there, there's this major event in 2021. It's probably the most major astrological event. It actually, it's not probably, it is the most major astrological aspect for all of 2021. And that is this square between Uranus in the sign of Taurus and Saturn in the sign of Aquarius. And in June, there was the second exact square of these two planets. It's happening once in February. It happened in February. It's happening in June. And it's happening in December. Exactly. And this June featured the second square. And that square is going to kind of be activated for all of July as well. And we'll talk about that in a second. But my first question for you, Jordan, what are your thoughts on the Saturn-Uranus square that happened in June? How how did you really feel into that energy? Um, I I think for me personally, that exact square was not quite as loud as the eclipses were. I think the kind of swirling chaos and upheaval of the eclipses um literally eclipsed that square for me (laughs) um but because this is the second of three and both planets were both planets retrograde at the time or just saturn i think just saturn um i find that that middle chapter it's like Mm -hmm. the first exact square presents the Mm storyline um and initiates the story it's very much like the the elements of astrology you know the modalities um the second is fixed it it holds the story together and then there is the the end or the final chapter um in the third and so for this, it felt more of a continuation. Yeah. I do feel like this square will become loud and unavoidable once um, we have those activations in July from Mars and Venus. And then, you know, later into August, I believe, the sun. And so I think those planets will bring a little bit more inflammation to Mm. the nature of these eclipses i think we're already seeing it and feeling it um in the world around us um but yeah the square itself was not quite as loud for me as the first one was what about for you for me it was for me the first one was really loud because i'm going through my saturn return right and the first the first year in a Saturn square literally happened was happening on my chart like exactly mm-hmm. during my Saturn return was yeah. 
So that was really potent for me personally. And for me, it really marked this just pivoting of into new ways of being. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a huge major theme on a collective level and on a personal level all throughout 2021. Mm-hmm. It's really pivoting from, you know, t- from all of these changes that happened to us collectively in 2020. Like, it, you, we can't go back to normal. We can't, we're never going to be the same mm-hmm. after 2020. It's just, it's not possible. There's a new normal that we're all adjusting to on some level, on a collective level and a personal level. You know, like societally, we're broken, we're fractured. You know, it's it's not this, we are not the same cohesive society as we used to be. It's just a pipe dream at this point. Right. And we, and as people too, So I feel like, especially for me personally, it was this huge pivot and like, okay, how can I pivot into these new ways of being? And now, and that was so clear during the first hit for me, especially because those implications are like, how am I going to be an adult? How am I going to be my own person? So a lot of it was like changes around all of that, Mm -hmm. all of those Saturn return themes. And, you know, I felt like this June was a continuation of that as well. Um, But I felt like for me, because it's happening in a very quiet area of my chart, it's happening in my 12th house. All of this was as a cancer rising. So for me personally, it, I, there was just a lot going on behind the scenes. There Mm -hmm. was a lot going on underneath the surface. There was a lot there, you know, there's this need for me to like, you know, sink back and mm-hmm. you know do the work behind the scenes yeah. so I can step out and and more be more public um so that's really kind of what I felt going on for me in June personally but yeah I really feel like also on a collective level the Saturn Uranus square has been really interesting to witness yeah because I feel like all of the issues of the uh, of Uranus and Taurus like the the themes of what we value money currency how we labor Mm -hmm. um and you know that Saturn and Aquarius theme also of like what's good for the collective versus you know what's good for the collective essentially yeah and you but also that Saturn archetype of you know the governor and the power structures that be and now there's this Uranus Saturn tension I feel like on our collective that's like manifesting in issues like the minimum wage being fifteen dollars and um labor unions at Amazon and that idea of like how do we distribute wealth and Mm -hmm. it's about the power of the people and the power of collective activism but it's kind of sad and like the antitrust measures too that have really been coming forth the fluctuation in currency GameStop what happened there with the stock market Mm -hmm. all of these themes are are the manifestation of the Saturn Uranus square and it's wild because now GameStop or I mean the especially cryptocurrency has just tanked Mm -hmm. recently, which has been wild to witness. And, you know, the labor unions didn't work out Mm -hmm. and the $15 minimum wage didn't pass. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of that Saturn element. That's like, 
sorry, like we're not ready for change yet. Almost. Well, and it's, I think that one of the major themes that we're seeing trying to come to life, which is the nature of a square is, you know, there is a lot of trial and error that happens in order to integrate those energies that Mm -hmm. are really, you know, battling against one another. And decentralization is one of the major themes. Um, But I think that the overarching mission of this square and all of this trial and error and all of the crumbling infrastructure around us is to test us. How do we meet the challenge of change? Yes. And so far we are (laughs) hitting and missing, so to say. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, But you know, the, the rest is still unwritten. To quote, <laughs> to quote Benningfield. Benningfield. <laughs> the rest is still unwritten. We still have the final square. We've got all of this Leo, uh, these Leo transits bringing to life on a collect a personal and a collective level um, circumstances that are begging for change yeah um and so i think that the more we can sort of loosen our grip on the attachment of what was and what is and sort of free fall towards what could be will set us up in a position to get out of our own way Mm, and build something that's never been built before because that's what like we're after the Saturn Jupiter conjunction in Aquarius, like we are in the future. So what does the future require? Like I know that, you know, the Jetsons was a show that was like an animated show made decades and decades and decades ago, but like the ingenuity and the innovation and the sort of like otherworldly approach to a world a, a world that we needed to adapt to i'm assuming since the jetsons like lived in the sky that some shit was going down on earth <laughs> and i'm not saying move it all to the sky but i'm saying to think outside of the box is what both uranus and aquarius are here to show us how to do yeah absolutely i love that i actually i was listening to a new york times podcast uh, the daily podcast episode about police reform Mm -hmm. and it was a really wonderful conversation very gemini very mercury retrograde in gemini these two opposing viewpoints of a mother and her daughter talking about their their op both I, i believe both democrats but both were talking about the idea of abolishing and defunding the police and keeping police the same and they both came at it again from very different from very different perspectives and the young the daughter was talking about the cycle of policing and the unsustainable perpetual cycle of that is causing the atrocities that we see now with the abuses of you know police brutality in this country mm-hmm. 
And Michael Barbaro, the host, said the most Saturn Uranus quote about this. He said, the vicious cycle that will never get solved until the cycle breaks. Mm-hmm. And yep. I just was like, holy shit, that's so fucking Saturn Uranus. That idea of whatever it is that we're going through either in our life and what's happening on a collective level. We are going through this argument, this tension that is about this vicious vicious cycle that will never get solved Mm -hmm. until the cycle breaks yeah and i feel like part of this astrology is like how are we going to break the cycle you know how are we going to completely be the cycle breaker even on a personal level Mm -hmm. like how do we break the cycle in our personal life or in our family or do these things that forge into the into that Aquarian future and break that rut that fixed rut that we're in well and it's like our society is treated like a well-oiled machine yeah you know like everyone is a cog yeah is a cog everyone plays their role um everyone needs to satisfy their role in order to keep the machine going and we have all these systems in place that tend to the machine that keep everyone in line keep everyone in their role and this year is like bro the machine is broken right like we have spent all this time and energy tending to the machine and you know fixing and and now it's time to like toss it let's build something new right so the thing about july that is so monumental the astrology of july is really marked by a lot of planets entering the sign of leo and leo is also in a tense aspect to saturn in aquarius and uranus and taurus so all month of july we have planets that are igniting and that are inflaming and that are um really stirring up that the energy of the Saturn Uranus square. So mm-hmm. especially in the beginning of the month, but really all through the month of July, you know, Mars is moving through the sign of Leo. Venus will move in there. The sun will move in there and then Mercury will move in there too. And all of these planets will be in the sign of Leo, like aggravating in this tense aspect to the Saturn Uranus square. And on the 5th of July, that's when Venus, Venus and Mars will be at their closest degree of a T-square with Saturn and Uranus. Any thoughts on Leo entering the chat and how that might affect the, the astrological vibes of July? Like I said, I think that the frustration of the general square between Uranus and Saturn will just be turned up to a hundred. Yeah. Like the nature of Mars is it inflames everything it touches. It brings heat, it brings inflammation. And so um, the configuration of these planets have Mars and, and Venus sitting opposite in the sky to Saturn. And then both of these planets are forming a square to Uranus, which means that the frustration, the restlessness, the impulsivity, the feelings of being trapped are mitigated 
and pushed towards Uranus, which is change. Yeah. Uranus being the change agent. And so this is like a pressure cooker. It's like a powder keg. And the impulse of this configuration is very like slash and burn, like take it out, burn it to the ground. Right. Um, like just such impulsive and sort of fiery frustration, which I'm interested to see how that plays out with Venus in the mix too, because um, Venus brings a little bit more of a consideration to our impact um, though Venus in Leo is very self-oriented. So that could also lead to, you know, the, all of these are hanging out in fixed signs and fixed signs really like for things to go their way. And so it might be like, why can't it all be how I need it to be? And um, there is a possibility where we feed into the fixedness of needing things to play out in one direction, in our direction. Mm -hmm. And I think that the ideal scenario of moving through these Leo transits, activating the square between Saturn and Uranus is to do it differently to like, let go of your fixed perspective, let go of your fixed trajectory and know that that's not what's going to get you out of that crosshair of frustration or tension or pressure. Like it really is a call to radically shift the direction with which you think you're going. And Leo, like ego, ego, mm-hmm. ego, ego, ego. And so I think on a personal level, we'll see a lot of ego checking. Right. Um, not that an ego loves that. And so I think it'll bring big tantrum energy. I completely, I love the (laughs) ego checking is exactly what I've been feeling into as well for the month of July, because, you know, Saturn is the authority figure that's just staring down Mars and Venus in Leo and Saturn and Aquarius energy is like, you don't matter as much as you think you do. Like you don't and you better figure out how to use your talents to serve the collective mm-hmm. or like you better not get all egotistical and think that you did it all yourself. Yeah. And you like you have to take in consideration the other or let go of the need for feedback, which is so hard for us Leos, yeah. right? Because well, our Leo moons. The like narrative <laughs> playing out is like all of these planets in Leo are like, it's about me. It's about me. Mm-hmm. It's about me. And Saturn's mm-hmm. like, I don't care about <laughs> you. Saturn in Aquarius is like, it's not about you. It's never been about you. It will never be about you. Get it together. Right. (laughs) And Uranus is like, everything's got to change anyway. (laughs) Like, it's like, what are you all fighting about? What are you all fighting? Just move, like move in a different direction. Well, and it's interesting too, the dynamics between the signs and the planets at play because Leo is a very precious sign. Saturn is a very precious planet. Taurus is a very precious planet. But, But Aquarius and Uranus, 
not precious at all, not attached, not beholden to. No. If anything, those are the two energies that know that nothing, there's nothing we can count on but change. Yeah. And so we're working, we're navigating our preciousness and recalibrating or reconfiguring the ways in which we have attached to a way of being, Mm -hmm. a way of expressing, a way of finding security. And all of that is sort of like turned upside down. Yeah. I just had a thought while you were talking about how, you know, June kind of pours over into July energetically and we're left with a lot of questions, but the answers always come back to us with these, with these Leo energies. I feel like Leo is like your personal brand Mm -hmm. also. And it's like the answers that you've been seeking and all of these questions, they all come back to you. They all come back to who you are, who you want to be, how you identify, how you put yourself out in the world, how you put across your personal brand, and how can you use that authenticity in new ways, but also to serve a larger purpose. Yeah. I mean, with Saturn and Aquarius, we are all, we are all beholden to the impact we have on the micro, like us being the micro on the macro. It's collectively conscious. And with the dynamic of Leo and Aquarius, it is know thyself, know Mm. thy talents, know thy worth so that you can offer it as an act of service. But in order to know what you have to offer, you need to believe in what you have yes you need to believe in what you have absolutely which is which is an interesting which is interesting too in a world that um you know in the very sort of capricorn image of the society that we live in which is all about like responsibility it's not about gaining self-awareness or gaining self-confidence or investing in your talents your hobbies the things that you love like we i think Mm -hmm. that we tend to treat the contents of the fifth house which is um, the house associated with Leo energy, which rules our talents, our self-expression, um, the way that we relate to joy, creativity, pleasure, a sort of like auxiliary yeah. in the in the grander scheme of what's important in life. And I think that there is this wave of energy flowing into the uh, into like a fifth house context having Saturn in Aquarius, whenever we're working with energy in one sign, we are naturally working with the energy in another sign. And so in order to step up to our responsibility to the collective being laid out by Saturn and Aquarius, we have to come home to ourselves. Yes, absolutely. Which actually coming home to ourselves is another big theme of the month, which is really epitomized by the new moon so let's switch gears for a second and i think we covered that yeah we did it to a great extent we (laughs) did it let's talk about the cancer new moon on the 9th of july i have a chart here if you want 
chart. Oh, nice. But let's talk about the Cancer New Moon in on July 9th. It's going to be on a Friday. And do you have any initial thoughts? It's in a loose opposition to Pluto and in a loose trine to Neptune. I don't know how much you weigh those, but any any thoughts initially? I think just like with the those vague influences, what I feel into for that is a call to come home to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, cancer is the sign of home. It rules our emotions, our emotional past, our nurturing, our private life, our home life. And so I feel like it is a retreat back into the self, um, a, a necessary and intentional pause to nourish and nurture the self mm-hmm. so that you can gain resources gain energy in order to continue motion forward what do you think the most important thing for people would be the most important thing for people to either do in terms of ritual or practice on that new moon any 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 tips or any insights for people who like like to do lunation rituals jordan um yes i think that I feel as though this is a a swell of water inward. Mm-hmm. It is like a gathering of energy and a gathering of resources. And I think that um, spending time sitting with that in private with no one else, like this feels like a solo new moon. There are other like new that. moons that feel more generative in the presence of others but this one really feels like a call inward and a call to retreat to a place that no one can reach with you you've got to go at it alone yeah um and so sitting with the self tending to your space um eating nourishing food taking a bath but also because we're working with water energy we also want to introduce earth So grounding, um, even spending a moment to put your bare feet on the ground, on the grass, if you have access to grass or, you know, the dirt, um, and just work with those elements of grounding and allowing the sort of swell of whatever bubbles up from this because it's in opposition to Pluto. I feel like it is in its own way, a a revelatory new moon as well. Um, Pluto in opposition tends to reveal. And so um, being an observer, but also because it's cancer, and we'll talk more about this as we talk about more of the cancer stuff probably, Um, but cancer is a sign that attaches. Just like, you know, the crab has its pincers that it can like grab onto things. Um, And so being very cognizant to not attach to what is revealed, to observe it, to hold space for it, but to not internalize it, which is easier said than done with cancer energy. Especially for us cancers. (laughs) I would know. (laughs) Yeah. And so and so to be mindful of your attachments and how Mm -hmm. you are attaching to the circumstances around the new moon. That's beautiful. And 
I will say one thing that I wrote down for this too was observing your emotions, especially mm-hmm. for that cancer energy and not getting overly attached to those emotions, but observing them so you can get to the root of them. I think because cancer energy is the first water sign. So it's like, what do I do with all of my feelings? How do I process my emotions? And I think that this new moon has the opportunity and I love everything you said. So I'm not going to even say too much more about it because I think you did it of a mighty fine justice. Um, (laughs) But it it really is. It's a great time for being alone and just holding space. That's one of the gifts of cancer energy is being able to hold that space and hold that stillness within yourself. Absolutely. I think one of the um, main reasons this new moon is really suited to go at it alone is because cancer is also very attuned and attentive to Mm -hmm. the needs of others cancer will very quickly put its time and attention into satisfying and nurturing and showing up for the needs of others and with this being a new moon I think sort of eliminating the others from the scenario will really turn that attention inward how do I nourish nurture care for and show up for my own needs yes snaps to that So after this new moon, things are going to continue to be a little watery with this Cancerian energy we have going on in July. And at the end of the first week of July, Mercury will move into Cancer on July 11th. And I'm excited to feel this energy shift because Mercury has been in the sign of Gemini since May 3rd. And usually Mercury will just zoom right in and out of a, of a sign in a couple of weeks. And it Mercury has been in the sign of Gemini because of it, it went retrograde there. But it's just been, Mercury has been in that sign of Gemini for a really long mm-hmm. time. So we're moving and we're going to feel a very significant energy shift when this happens on July 11th. And it might even feel like, a theme is being wrapped up that has been really pervasive since the beginning of May. Um, And it might just feel like a major energetic shift. How are you feeling into this energetic shift, Jordan? I just had the most absurd visual. visual (laughs) As you were talking. That's why I love Jordan. She's just always like, I got a visual. Like I talk and she gets the visuals. My brain is a picture book. And I was just imagining with Mercury in Gemini during eclipse season, post retrograde, it's like the quality of our mind, it has been running from bees. It's like that frantic, <laughs> like, <laughs> like running away from yes, the bees and they keep following you. And finally, Mercury will move into Aquarius and it's like running, running, running. And then you see a body of water and you dive into it. And finally, you're safe. Like the bees can't get you here. I love that. <laughs> oh my god. That's so because it's true. like it get, like even though it's still mercury, we're still yes. like using our cerebral functioning, mm-hmm. but it sort of gives us a break because with mercury in cancer, we're absorbing information and so much of that information comes from what is not said. 
It's yeah. so nonverbal and Absolutely. it's so emotional yes. that it's like we get to give our logical mind like just like a little bit of a rest. We've been doing like too much. We've been doing the most. <laughs> And so we can just like feel into things. It's like obviously not the greatest time if you have to articulate yourself because Mercury in a water sign is big. Like I know my heart, but I do not know my words. hundred <laughs> percent. But maybe it is a welcome retreat where we don't have to find the words. No. We can just, we can observe. We can take stock. Mm-hmm. We can absorb And then the story will come to life when Mercury moves into Leo, the great storyteller. Right. And I, that's the best ever (laughs) running from bees. And then like you jump into your water and you're like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, oh, the bees can't get me down here. But because it's, because it's also water. It's like, I, if I, I still can't speak because I'm underwater. Yeah. But also because it's cancer, we're still like looking up at the bees. They're like swarming above us because (laughs) cancer can't, can't you know, turn its eyes away from the past. No. And so we're like, we're finally safe and we are able to kind of process like that whole experience Mm -hmm. from like an emotional sort of sensory place. And also, you know, like let intuition drive the boat for a while or the submarine since we're underwater. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. I really feel like I'm really feeling into the theme of emotional intelligence for this transit. Absolutely. You know, Mercury in cancer which is going to be there pretty much for most of july until Mm -hmm. the very end of july like a lot of july is going to really highlight how we use our emotional intelligence how we communicate without words and also how how we try not to be passive aggressive when we can (laughs) avoid it that's the thing about cancer energy you know it's like the crab it moves side to side it doesn't move directly it's not one it doesn't um, it cancer energy sometimes it doesn't know how to be direct it yeah. doesn't know how to go there because it doesn't it's so attuned to feelings mm-hmm. so it's like how do i communicate this without making waves without making waves and without hurting somebody else yes the th- the thing that i'm um wary of with the current this astrology around having mercury and cancer is cancer is a sign that internalizes mm-hmm. and takes things very personally we'll also have a lot of leo energy happening and the combo of leo and cancer is really ripe for like taking every little thing as a personal attack oh my god yes it's like the story of my life. I have a lot. I have a very strong Cancer Leo, very strong Cancer Leo energy in my chart. So <laughs> I feel like that has been part of my journey and my astrology has been so helpful. It's yeah. Helped really bring a lot of consciousness. Right. But that. also maybe the Saturn opposition to those planets in yeah. Leo might, you know, diffuse some of that exactly. or um, challenge some of that. Mm-hmm. But still, I feel like... Cancer and Leo are baby. Like it's mm-hmm. I am baby. I feel feelings. It's like I have to express myself. Do you like me? Is <laughs> that <you> okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, that also is kind of Libra too. Um, but yeah, I feel 
I, I also do like the, the watery element of this too, because right after Mercury goes into cancer, it's going to form a lovely little trine with Neptune, mm-hmm. which I feel like has a lot of the planets, like when Venus moved into cancer, when the sun moved into cancer, there was that lovely trine from Neptune. And I feel like as soon as Mercury moves into the sign of cancer, we will get a, that heightened intuition. We'll get that heightened emotional intelligence that is really here to help us. So mm-hmm. I, I like that beneficial, like first entry into the sign of cancer. It like really goes in there yeah. and gives us a lot of thirst quenching that we need mm-hmm. right now that we kind of need in, in an otherwise pretty barren desert. Well, and by sign when um, Mercury or anything being in Cancer right now is forming a grand trine to Jupiter and Neptune. Oh, yeah. And so there's just a beautiful uh, supportive energy to sort of like transcend the like nitty gritty like upsets in order to um, surrender to the bigger picture. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's move on. The second week of July is a little more astrologically chill. Mm-hmm. It might be a good time for some integration. Um, two little transits happening the second week of July. Why not? They, they're little, relatively. <laughs> yeah, I can say that. Um, two are essentially these two transits are the Venus conjunct Mars on July 13th and the sun opposite Pluto on 717. Venus and Mars will be coming together in the sign of Leo. Thoughts on that, Jordan? Leo's. Sex. Sex. <laughs> when Leo, um, <laughs> Venus and Mars are longtime lovers. Longtime lovers. They have a beautiful love-hate relationship as they move through the sky but when they meet they fuck they fuck they fuck (laughs) um and especially in leo (laughs) especially in leo but it is like a bringing to life of new energy Mm -hmm. it's the beginning of a new cycle it is and this new energy being brought to life in leo is creative and joyous and playful um and i feel like a really beautiful time to manifest Mm -hmm. and like i get a little turned off with how like manifestation is talked about in the general Mm -hmm. sort of like conversation um so i think it's important to speak on we are creative creatures we are creatures that have manifestation powers. We are always manifesting. Yeah. And the thing about it is chances are the way that this manifestation or this potential for manifestation works is not about bringing to life that thing you wrote in your notebook and you're like, I want a million dollars by Christmas or whatever. Um, What it will manifest is your passions, where you're putting your energy, where you are finding joy, or it might manifest the contents of your fears, your insecurities, 
um, your perceived limitations. And so just being very aware of where your energy is landing, what you are giving your attention to, because that is what is bound to materialize um, and not so much, you know, like what your manifestation coach like right set your goals for I love that about manifestation because Leo energy is so inherently generative Mm -hmm. and I when I I saw this quote from Oprah that I really like for this Venus Mars conjunction and it is your personality is here to serve the energy of your soul Mm. and I loved that and I was like Leo is that energy of your personality yeah which is, you know, kind of our ego. Yeah. It's also our radiance. It is our radiance. It's the sun. It, you know, Leo is ruled by the sun. Mm-hmm. It is how we shine. But don't get that confused with your soul. Right. You know, that's the thing where we get caught up with a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that the opposition to Saturn is he- here to help us understand that. Mm-hmm. But also... This is really here to help us embrace our authenticity, embrace all of our gifts, and really let our personalities shine a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think of Leo a lot, I think of tone and being able to control the tone of the environment that you're in mm-hmm. is very Leo. Like when a Leo shows up into in a room, when Leo energy is really exuberant and really like manifesting hard, it's like it brings life. It brings life. It's like, oh, I've got a great playlist for this party. Let me change the whole vibe. Yeah. Let me turn it on. Let me switch it up. And, um, this, this Mars Leo conjunction is us really coming to a greater understanding of how our personality impacts the tone of our life Mm -hmm. even. And that can be a really powerful realization. And sometimes it can be kind of a scary realization to understand how powerful we actually are as individuals. Mm -hmm. And I think that Leo gets the bad rap sometimes for being outgoing and in your face and obnoxious and attention seeking because a lot of Leos that I know are really fucking shy because they under because of that knowing innately that they have their their presence has a really powerful tone to it and our their presence the presence of a leo is gravitational Mm -hmm. it's ruled by the sun yeah so i feel like a lot of this energy in july is about us learning how to work with our personality yeah and really embracing that in certain ways that we may have been afraid to earlier yeah i think that um one theme of leo that i don't think is talked about often um, but is instilled in the sun itself is that of purpose. Yeah. I think about yes. the Leo Aquarius access as one of purpose. And the sun has one job and it is to shine. And just by embodying its sole purpose, it pulls the entire universe into its orbit. Exactly. And I think that thinking about Leo in that that. way and excavating a deep sense of individual purpose 
as a service to the collective is the ideal expression of that Leo Aquarius access. I love that. And I love it too, because it's freeing. And I think of that idea of Aquarian freedom and how through being authentic, we are, we become free. Well, and then in, in also just the fact that, you know, both Capricorn and Aquarius are ruled by Saturn um, but the nature of the movement from Capricorn to Aquarius is we are all beholden to lock into our responsibilities yeah. in Capricorn. It's no muss, no fuss, just do your job, head down, barrel through. And then we break through those expectations into Aquarius and we sort of like shake that off and we're like, okay, I know I don't want to do that Mm -hmm. But I still have work to do. But it's about sort of like knowing the rules so you can know how to break them. Yes. Said by an Aquarius. Aquarius said it best. Know the rules so you can break them. Yeah. That's like Jordan's (laughs) MO. That's like Jordan's life motto. Yeah. (laughs) It's all about breaking the rules. Send me me the outline and I'll do with it what I will. I I love that energy. I love that Aquarius free spirited energy. It's it's my favorite. Then later that week we've got the sun opposite to Pluto on seven seventeen. So any any thoughts on that sun opposite Pluto event that's happening at the end of the second week of July? Um, like we mentioned with the new moon, mm-hmm. uh, oppositions to Pluto tend to reveal be revelatory and um with the sun and pluto power struggles power dynamics ego check um but also when it comes to pluto pluto is a force that either heals or destroys and so um greeting what challenges intensity you know power dynamics you come across and assessing your reaction or response and and asking is this is this healing is this moving me towards healing or is it further destructing you know is it a destructive presence or is it a healing presence yeah um and so just being mindful of that absolutely i think that with pluto energy too we get a lot of bubbling up to the surface yeah and in opposition that always comes to us through other people or Mm -hmm. through outside experiences so i think that towards like the 17th that's when we're really going to see manifest something's bubbling up something comes to the surface that we weren't aware of Mm -hmm. that is really here to help us again heal or transform completely i think with the cancer with the sun being in cancer too and pluto being in capricorn um it is also a call to see your role in things see how your responsibility um because cancer's impulse is to like either retreat or it's still a cardinal sign to like you know go through the back and fight in a passive aggressive way. Um, and so, you know, before the act of lashing out in whatever way that shows up for you, or running away in the fight, flight, or freeze response, um, pausing and seeing like what is 
how much of this is on my plate to hold and handle? How much of this is a test? How much of this is a revealing of self? Because it's all a mirror. Oppositions always show up in a mirror. Always show up in and a mirror. And so what does it show you about yourself? Let's move to week three of July, where we get some more shifty, more shifting more energies. Shifting. Venus moves into Virgo on 721 on July 21st. Venus and Virgo. Venus is officially out of Leo. Venus has given us a little kiss. Uh, they fucked. <laughs> Venus got laid in Leo. Laid, and now yeah. she's like, I'm done. I'm going to move into Virgo. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on this energy shift around the 21st of July, Jordan? Um, my first feeling is crunchy. Crunchy. Yeah. yeah, I think just with the combo of having... Earthy Crunchy, Virgo? <laughs> yeah, of like having the Cancer of it all, the Leo of it all, and then Virgo, which is in detriment in... Yes. in or Venus is in detriment in Virgo. Um, I feel like this call to fix, to put all the pieces together, I think we'll still... I mean... We've got all of those T-squares. We've got a lot of mess we're working with. Yes. And I think that there will be a collective feeling as though we have to fix it all. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love those thoughts. And I, I totally forgot that. I, I always forget that Venus and Virgo is in detriment but it is and I know a lot of people with Venus and Virgos where that does manifest as like a lot of that overly critical voice mm -hmm. but I think that is the blessing and the curse of Virgo energy is a really harsh inner critic and I think that sometimes having a planet in detriment doesn't have to be detrimental it can be actually really constructive mm -hmm. so I feel like that Venus and Virgo understanding that it's okay for things to take extra time because that time is really helping. It helps to give us the discernment we need in our lives. Yeah. And I think that one piece of advice that I would probably give as an astrologer for this Venus in Virgo transit that's happening, you know, after 721 is to really say embrace no you know get on the no train and just be able to say no I'm not doing that or no that doesn't work for me is a really lovely way to use that that Virgo energy especially mm -hmm. with Venus with that relational energy yeah. and the relational component to it um which isn't in Venus's nature to say no to everything. No. Venus wants to please. Venus wants to be the people pleaser. It wants everyone to be happy and it wants harmony at all costs. But Virgo energy, the only way to get to harmony is through discernment and yeah. is through saying no. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. So let's jump into Leo season. Just after Venus moves into Virgo, Leo season rolls around. The sun moves into Leo. And we get another Leo activation of that Saturn-Uranus T-square. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on the sun moving into Leo off the bat? I mean, 
I love Leo season. It's my favorite season of the year. Um, Leo season. It is when our vital energy collectively is infused with that of Leo. And it's naturally um, warm and fun. To I mean for better or for worse like leo is yeah. like it's not fun it's not worth doing or like why isn't this fun it's supposed to be fun it's fun therapy though i think that leo energy yeah. is like saying fun is actually therapeutic it's actually necessary um but yeah it's it's fun it's flirty it's courageous it's generous um and that's what i have to say about that absolutely we love <laughs> leo season it's our i <laughs> I love Gemini season too. I don't know. I have a lot of favorite seasons. It's hard <laughs> for me to pick favorites, but I think that this Leo season will, it will, because Leo is ruled by the sun and the sun is in its domicile here. This will again, amplify the idea of our ego and our personal brand. But I also do think that it will add a little bit more of that party element mm -hmm. into the mix because when Leo, when, or when the sun, especially when the sun first enters into Leo, it's, it's not going to be very close to Mars. So I feel yeah. like it, it is going to be able to shine and give us mm -hmm. a little bit of that fun exuberance that we might be yearning for. I um, am in interested to see how the energy of Leo season shifts when Jupiter moves back into Aquarius. Because I yeah. think that that, I think Jupiter in Pisces has had a palpable impact. Yeah. And I think that that the combo of the sun being in Leo and Jupiter retrograding back into Aquarius will be a, a time to kind of lock it up before we feel ready to. Yeah, absolutely. And actually something that I just noticed is that right the same day that the sun moves into Leo, Venus in Virgo will be exactly opposing Jupiter in Pisces. Mm. So there is kind of that. I think that th with that energy, there will be a lot of the need to focus on selflessness yeah. And how we straddle that paradox of being an individual in a collect, like how are we unique and how are, because we are unique, right? You know, we are all, all if we're all special, then nobody's special. Like right. how do we, how do we kind of soften those comparisons even in our own mind mm -hmm. and continue to be authentic anyway? Right. And I also think that it, um, conjures the consideration of when you are embodying selfless service or showing up in service, are you abandoning yourself in the process? Oh, yeah. W you know, like, what is the... It, it reminds me of the question, and I'll let you all ponder it. Um, do you do good to feel good, or do you need to feel good to do good? And there's no right answer. I got to write that one down. But I think that meditating or reflecting on where your call to service comes from is also uh, a worthwhile sort of way of seeing yourself yeah. and being able to 
um, show up from a place of authenticity rather than from duty because Virgo is very dutiful, but Virgo is not exempt from burnout and bitterness that comes mm-hmm. from acting from a place of duty and not from a authentic call. Absolutely. After this small event, we have a full moon of the month. And this full moon is right after the sun moves into Leo. So the mm-hmm. moon will be full at one degree Aquarius and the sun will be at one degree Leo. And this full moon happening on July 23rd, it's the first of two full moons in Aquarius in 2021. And when we were working on the astrology of 2021, we noticed that we were like, 2021 has two full moons in Aquarius? This is like the most Aquarius year ever. It's going to be real weird. And this full moon is going to be exactly conjunct Jordan's natal sun. So And moon. And moon. So Jordan. What are your thoughts on this full moon in Aquarius, the first of two? Um, well, when we were talking about this previously, um, you, we were talking about how this is an opportunity to see in a really large way how far we've come, how far you've come in the last six months since mm-hmm. the new moon in Aquarius. And I think that with the Aquarian aspect of it all and the fact that it is a full moon lighting up that Leo Aquarius access, it is a time to revel in and have reverence for how you've come into your own, how you have found belonging both within yourself and in the world around you. Yeah. And I feel like this full moon in Aquarius, the, this first one, it's a little more astrologically chill mm-hmm. than the one we're having in August. The full moon next month is loud and proud and not like the opposite of discreet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the full moon, this full moon happening on July 23rd, it, it is, it's, it really, I think, is the time to reveal the first little tidbit, we get the first taste of how much we've changed and who we've become since February mm-hmm. when there was this really powerful new moon in Aquarius in February. And just for anybody who's curious about like why we're talking about this new moon in February, lunation cycles happen where the new moon is where we sow the seed and then it comes to full bloom energetically six months later when there's a full moon in the same sign. Mm-hmm. So 2021 is so unique because there was a new moon in Aquarius in February at the same time as the last Saturn Uranus square. And there was a wicked Mercury retrograde in Aquarius yep. also happening at that same time. Mm-hmm. So February was this incredible time period where we were in this pressure cooker mm-hmm. of of change, 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 change. This fertile ground. This fertile ground for like, who are we going to be and how do we launch ourselves into the future? Mm-hmm. That was so potent and energetically in February. And now July is where we get the first little mini taste. But how I kind of feel into it, it's like we're getting um, we're getting like a shot glass yes. now. And in the, at the end of August, we get a we, fishbowl. We get a fishbowl. <laughs> <laughs> And we get like, to share our straws. Oh my god! Because, <laughs> because we're all vaccinated. 
love that. <laughs> that I feel like this is a lovely little a little sipsies of it. And I feel like because both of these lunations are loosely configured to Pluto, mm-hmm. like the moon is going to is going to move right over Pluto right before she's full. Mm-hmm. So I think that a lot of July and these lunations that are happening this month, the new moon and the full moon are both are both revealing in nature. Like typically full moons when the moon is fully illuminated is the most revealing because it literally is literally shining its light. But I think that the Pluto taste that we're getting both of these are like, Hey, here are your blind spots. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. here are your blind spots. If you're willing to look at them, like if you're actually going to dedicate yourself to the change that's required of you you gotta look at your blind spots yeah well and also like the nature of pluto is transformation which is change on a cellular level yes you know your your uranus change is sudden it's upheaval um but it's not exempt from you know like being changed back you know it's kind it's like a structural change but Pluto changes you in a way that you cannot come back from. Yeah, you're never, ever, ever going to be the same. Right. And um, that really is the potential of these these lunations are to utilize them in a way that moves you to transform and evolve with the times. Yeah. Because the astrology of last year, the astrology of this year is like change or be left behind. Absolutely. It's like, if yeah, get on the train or... Or bye. Or, yeah, or bye. <laughs> get out of the way or get on the train or I don't... Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, and because it's and like Capricorn and, and Aquarius right. energy, it's like, we don't care if you get left behind. And it's like, I know. And it's kind of like that. It, it almost is this kind of like group think mentality. And I think that's where we do see a lot of this tension, like this societal mm-hmm. and subcon this, this collective consciousness tension yeah. is that old versus the new all year yep. completely. Yeah. So d- any, any quick ideas for rituals or activities for uh, folks to do on the full moon? Um, my first instinct is journal. Yeah, me too. Reflect on the last six months. If you are a journaler, mm-hmm. um, go back and read your journals from the last six months and really um, s- sit with and celebrate the tiny victories along the way. Oh, you know, yes. how, and if you can reflect on maybe the things that you wanted or the things that you desired six months ago and check in with maybe you've already gotten those things you know maybe you're on to wanting different things and I'm saying want and desire because of the Leo of it all Mm -hmm. um but yeah track your progress I love that I thought I had something to say but that was so good that I'm don't even (laughs) i'm like that's yeah do that (laughs) that's perfect (laughs) i was i was thinking journaling too because the pluto of it all and seeing what comes out organically Uh um and that's perfect thanks for calling me perfect (laughs) my fellow leo moon (laughs) 
So let's dive into week four, the last week of July. Again, we're getting a lot. We're getting more shifts this week. We've got some planetary ingresses that will be very palatable. The first of which, Mercury, will move into Leo on July 27th. Yeah. Mercury will move into Leo. <laughs> and Mercury's like, hello, I'm in song Leo. And dance. <laughs> Jordan, thoughts on Mercury and Leo? My favorite thing about Mercury in Leo is its ability to tell a story and mm. to capture the hearts of the of its audience. Mm. Um, Leo is a heart-led sign. And when Leo is standing in its radiance with its eyes on purpose, it can capture an audience and reach people in a way that no one else can. I love that. But it also has, you know, showboating energy and like, you know, attention seeking energy. And so, um, discerning Mm -hmm. if the way that you are currently expressing yourself is that of the hero or of the snake oil salesman. Both are very convincing. Both are very, very potent and have a powerful message. Charismatic. They're charismatic. They're good at what they do. But is it backed by something? Yeah. Does it hold water? Yeah. And that's what Saturn opposite mercury is really going that's i feel like that's the energy of saturn opposite mercury it's mm-hmm. like can you can you back, can you it, back up? it up exactly mm-hmm. can you back it up <laughs> can i you can back it up like a back truck <laughs> <laughs> i feel yeah exactly yeah that's what i have to say about that <laughs> that's what i have to say <laughs> about that i also wrote on the same thing the mercury and leo just gives us a natural charisma for everything we do mm-hmm And it gives us a little bit of flair for the dramatic. But what I get with Mercury and Leo is that it's not about what you say. It's about how you say it. Exactly. And that it's about tone, that Leo tone that is able to influence by the pitch, by the tone, by the nuances Mm -hmm. of that art, that that spell out charisma that spell out what it means to be charismatic. Mm -hmm. And with that, we get, if you have it, you have it. And if you don't, you don't, Mm -hmm. you know, some people just have it. Some people don't. And there are things about finesse and communication and charisma that, um, that just cannot be taught. Mm -hmm. And I think that Mercury and Leo helps us tap into those nuances of, how we deliver and how we say what we want to say. But yeah, exactly what you said, that mm-hmm. Saturn opposite to Mercury is going to make sure that we're not <laughs> full of shit snake oil salesmen yeah. that are just here to, you know, get it, get ours and get out. Yeah. So I think that being conscious of how we use the power of our own language is really important for the end of July and the beginning of August as well. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, then after Mercury moves into Leo on the 27th, Jupiter will move back into Aquarius. So Jupiter, our lovely benefic planet Jupiter, um, has been moving through Aquarius most of the year. Jupiter 
moved through Aquarius really quickly in 2021. It was like, so I'm trying to get out of here. He was like, mm, bye, Saturn world signs. <laughs> See you later, Saturn. Let me let me live. Um, let me live. Can I live? Saturn ran through Aquarius. And in May, in the middle of May, on May 13th, right when the CDC announced that if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Yep. Um, Saturn or Jupiter busted out of Aquarius and Jupiter moved into the sign of Pisces. Mm -hmm. And with Jupiter, Jupiter has been in Pisces since May 13th. And on July 28th, Jupiter will move retrograde. Now Jupiter's asleep, moving backwards in the sky. And on July 28th, Jupiter will move back into the sign of Aquarius, ending the Pisces party for now, for now thoughts jordan okay so this whole jupiter moving into pisces jupiter in pisces is rejoiceful energy it is room to move it is physical touch it is no boundaries between us um, which is why we have had more freedom of movement of you know activities of fun since may 13th but the way that I feel this playing out is sort of like mom and dad, Saturn, are away for the weekend. And Jupiter, high school student, throws <laughs> a rager. And it's all fun and games until we have to kind of reap the consequences when mom and dad come home and Jupiter moving back into Saturn's territory co-present with Saturn to me resonates with the energy of consequences Mm -hmm. where we will find and I don't know if we'll see this as much as Jupiter moves into Aquarius or when Saturn wakes up from retrograde in in October but I think either way we will find that we do not have the infrastructure to support the big, rejoiceful party that Jupiter has thrown, which I think is interesting because, like, I don't know that it will resurface as, like, COVID necessarily, but we're already Mm -hmm. seeing in the labor market that we don't have the laborers to support the demand. The demand. Yeah, literally. But also... And inflation, too. Yeah. Like. And also, um, just... Uh, Jupiter just went retrograde um, as That's from when we're recording this. And we've had... We've seen a spread of the, de- the Delta variant in California. And so we're already seeing that the way that we have been able to exist with Jupiter in Pisces um, already looks different, already is under threat of more limitations, more structure, more boundaries. Um, And Jupiter isn't even in Aquarius yet. Right. So we'll see. We shall see. I love the analogy of like throwing a party and then the parents come home. Yeah. And it's like, and it's, did we clean everything up before I, we fell asleep? Right. And it's so true because literally I remember I was in the airport right when Jupiter moved into 
Pisces and they announced in the CDC that you don't have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. And I was like expecting everyone at the airport to be like ripping off their masks and be like, freedom. <laughs> I text. I remember I texted you oh, that yeah. day. And then I was literally like, I'm going to be in a plane when Jupiter is ingressing in the Pisces. <laughs> and I, and I felt like that, that idea. Oh, it's like taking your bra off after a long day too. It's like this, like, woo freedom energy Mm -hmm. and it's true when jupiter moves back in aquarius i am very curious to see what happens in terms of covid restrictions but at the same time i think the tension of the saturn uranus square is like do we even have the infrastructure to support anything else like i uh, we do we just now have to kind of like i don't think we have the infrastructure i don't know 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 (laughs) anyway yeah i thought yeah i'm very eager to see what happens with jupiter back into aquarius but i also think that on a personal level if the months of may june and july have had a really specific magical tone to them Mm -hmm. if they felt like oh my goodness, this is too good to be true. Or if there's been an increased um, optimism or an increased sense of inhibition, then it might be like for the rest of 2021, the rose colored glasses might have to come off for a little bit. Yeah. And we might get our feet put down on the ground, but rest assured like keep the dream alive Mm -hmm. because it will come back in 2022 like there is hope there is a lot of there are shifts and changes and the horizon will broaden again yeah so if it seemed like this spring and early summer has had a an optimistic influence hold that keep hold that holding that space yeah because the bleakness might roll in the bleakness might roll in but it's not over and it's not the end like there's there's still a lot of bounty and a lot of gifts from that we've gotten during this time and I feel like on an energetic level especially how that's kind of manifested for us collectively is that we're able to go out again and we're able to socialize again and I Mm -hmm. think that a lot of this spring you know May and June specifically have had a lot of Gemini energy with them with the Mercury retrograde and the eclipse season so it's like oh social 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 we're able to see each other again and the Pisces energy the Jupiter and Pisces transit these two together have been like how nice it feels Mm -hmm. that we are able to connect again in an an uninhibited way. Yeah, it is. It's interesting though. I think right now we're in a, a space of more is more with Jupiter and Pisces. You know, we get a little bit of things opening. We're like, we want everything to be open. It's like, you can't, you don't have to wear masks inside. I don't want to wear, or you don't have to wear masks outside. I don't want to wear masks anywhere, you know? And it's this, like, I want more. And when Jupiter moves into back into Aquarius and, you know, is is being governed by Saturn as landlord of Aquarius, <laughs> yeah. it is it's a it's a paring down. It is less is more. And so we might not have the luxury of of getting more or even um, having our desire for more satisfied. Mm-hmm. And so. 
I mean, it's very Saturn to say, be grateful for what you got or what you had and know that it'll change in 2022. But this like hot girl summer vibe we've Mm -hmm. been navigating, (laughs) I don't think it's going to carry into the fall by any means. Um, I think that it's going to be a lot more limited. Yeah. And we'll see how that manifests. Yeah. But speaking of less is more, what a great segue into the next transit and the final transit we're going to talk about for July, which is Mars in Virgo. So just after Jupiter moves back from Pisces into Aquarius, Mars moves into the sign of Virgo. Now, talk about less is more. We yeah. get like, talk about like part, no, the party's over energy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Mars and Virgo is like the warrior of the nitty gritty details. Right. Is just nitpicky and so like zoomed in um, mm. and serious and like dutiful and in so many ways, like the antithesis of the energy that we have been moving through as of late. Um, and so it feels like a lock it up. Sort of. Absolutely. Like back to school, back to work, back to all the things. Right. And it's so funny that you said earlier when we were talking about Mercury in Leo being like, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? I feel like I literally wrote, I jotted down for quick notes for Mars and Virgo. You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Yeah. Because with, Virgo energy it turns that egotistical energy of Pisces on its or uh, I'm sorry not Leo. Pisces no, Leo not definitely not Pisces, not Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> what ego <laughs> it turns that Leo energy of me into okay what about everybody else like mm-hmm. it's actually it subverts it it turns that pyramid with Leo at the top upside down yeah and this is the energy that says your actions speak so much louder than your words. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said with the snake oil salesman, it's like, this is the demise of the snake oil salesman type of fluffery or over relying too much of your, on your charms and your charisma, like towards the end of July. And especially in August, I think that there is a, there is the need to put our ideas to paper Mm -hmm. and do the small steps and do the nitty gritty work that we didn't, that we didn't think of. Yeah. We may not even known that it came with this package. Like it might've been like, Oh God, now I have to go through all of the details. I have to go through all of the things. And I think that the end of July will have this tone to it. That's like, okay, we have a lot of work to do. And it's important to remember just on a personal level during this transit, that small progress is the, is still important, if not more important than the big leaps and focusing on your small wins and your small victories is clutch. Right. And really kind of zooming in a little bit more Mm -hmm. and, and understanding how it's like you watch a clock and you see how it works, but, 
flip the clock over and understand the mechanics of it right. in order to really grasp what it is you're trying to create. Right. And I think that early July is a lot of the seeding of these creative ideas and this coming in a lot of our creative energy is really coming forward. And then towards the end of July, it's like, oh, wow, we have to tackle this step by step it's like how do we use all of this exactly how do we make it work and I think that mind mapping is gonna be like what the end of this month is about it's like how are we gonna write down every single thing that we have to do how are we gonna keep track of all of these little things that that build a a bigger picture for us well and with Mars in Virgo it's about the journey not the destination yes it's about being it's being oriented towards a goal, Mm -hmm. but it's about the steps along the way, the systems of efficiency and the way that you work and labor towards that goal. Um, The, the shadow side of this though is um, striving for perfection. And I think that that'll be really heightened too, because we'll also have Venus in Virgo and when it comes to perfection, one way that the inner critic of Virgo really gets in its own way and gets in its own way of being quote unquote productive is by striving for a universal ideal of perfection, which is truly unattainable. It is a, it is a capitalistic construct that has us striving and locks us into like this pattern of dissatisfaction because it's an unattainable goal and so during this time taking a moment to sit with yourself and say what does perfection feel like to me what was an instance where I perfectly executed something what was the sensation that came from that and or what does good enough feel like? Mm-hmm. How can you fold in a definition of perfection and good enough in a way that makes you satisfied with your work enough to move on? Because with Virgo energy, Mars in Virgo, it's like you're trying to get down uh, a dirt road. You know, your goal is in the horizon and your path is just a straight path. You're walking towards your goal but Virgo, with the need to perfect the process and perfect the circumstances, will stop at every pothole in the road and fix it. And it's like, sure, you're zoomed in, you're seeing this pothole, you're saying, okay, this isn't perfect, I'll just fix this, and then we can move on. But like in the big picture, in the big scheme of things, like is that pothole in the road really affecting your ability to move towards your goal? No. And so yeah. in infusing your actions with grace and loosening the grip of perfection or at least bringing it down to earth so that you can work with it rather than being worked by it i love that and literally i just thought of this Brene brown quote from rising strong grace will take you places that hustling can't yeah, I think that's our quote for Venus for Mars and Virgo. Yeah, is that and Venus grace, and Virgo, and Venus and Virgo, anything grace, in Virgo, anything in Virgo. All, actually, just to all you Virgos out there, <laughs> make uh, sure you're listening. To all you Virgos and out there, grace will take you places hustling can't. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And when I, I also think of, when I think, actually, when I think of Gemini energy and Virgo energy, I think of energetic bandwidth. Mm-hmm. And Gemini is mental bandwidth and Virgo is physical bandwidth. And with that, it's like, do you even have the bandwidth to fix every pothole in the road? <laughs> like, do you, e- can you even do that? Like, right. can you actually get that shit done in a day? No, you can't. You right. have all of this, these things on your to-do list, mm-hmm. but you just have to pick three of the most important things to get done in the day. Yeah. That's the best you can do. Well, and I think that so much Virgo energy has been corrupted yeah. by capitalism and by our society um, with, you know, toxic productivity, yes. rise and grind, hustle, work 40 hours plus a week, or you're not valuable. And I think that we have twisted the definitions of productive and busy. Ooh, I'm going to write that down. I think that Virgo can get really locked into busyness the need to always be doing in order to express its value through service and or finding a productive outlet oftentimes is doing much less than the product, the toxic productivity of being busy. And like, I feel like it is always worthwhile to remember that sometimes the most productive thing you can do is rest is sleep is eat is watch reality tv Mm -hmm. is be because we are human beings not human doings and virgo energy especially mars and virgo oftentimes forgets that that's my sermon And I think that's the perfect (laughs) way to end the month. (laughs) Any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, I've talked so much. I know we've been at this for like (laughs) over an hour and a half. No, I've said so many words. I know. I think that that's it. I love it. I know. I love it. Thank you everybody for listening. We're so excited to bring you in on these conversations. Jordan and I are very tight astrologer friends and literally we sit around and we talk about astrologer astrology anyway. So being able to record this and to get it out to everyone is a real, is a real treat. So we, I hope that everybody who's listening enjoys it as much as we do. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh my God. Of course. I'm so excited. And hopefully we'll continue to chat about this for months to come. Eternity. Eternity. All right. Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you for making it to the other end of this juicy month ahead podcast. I'm really happy that you made it here. As a friendly reminder, if you really like what you heard, connect with Jordan and I on Instagram. Let us know. Give us a shout out. Let us know what you think. We're two Leo moons. So we love your feedback. We cherish it. We need it. We appreciate you so much. If you like what you heard, feel free to give us a couple stars. We're astrologers, so we fucking love stars. And if you really enjoyed it, share it with a friend. Um, Let us know what you thought. 
We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you really dig the vibe that Jordan and I have going on, we released an astrology of 2021 workshop that we really, I mean, we had so much fun making this and we've just got such great feedback from those who were in the workshop. It's a digital workshop, so you can still get it and snag it and reflect on what all of this astrology means for your chart. We also break down how you can interpret transits in your own chart and be your own astrologer. All of those tools are in the Astrology of 2020 workshop. And now because it's past the summer solstice, Jordan and I are offering 50% off for the Astrology of 2021 workshop. Just use the coupon code summer solstice linked below in the show notes. You can click access the digital workshop and you can get a reading for your rising sign for the rest of the year and you can reflect honestly on the first half of the year as well there's so much juicy content in there to really help you understand how these transits are landing and manifesting in your chart so that's always available for you if you're really willing to dive deeper into your astrological practice jordan and i are here for you we got your back so thank you so much again for tuning into us and we hope to see you here next month take care y'all